Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Marriage and Martinis. This is Danielle. So happy you're here today. Uh, this is a topic, once again, that um, I know so many of us struggle with. Body image, body neutrality, body acceptance, body positivity, all of the things that we keep hearing about um, and trying again and again and again and again uh, to... Um, be at peace with about ourselves and um, society, diet culture, all the things make it almost feel impossible to do that. And it is something that has taken up far too much bandwidth in my lifetime. And I am forever trying to uh, give it less space in my life because it is robbing me of so many joys and so many moments of real freedom. Uh, And I've been working towards it and it is a lifetime mission. It might take me my lifetime to finally get to a place where I can do all the things and not have the intrusive thoughts about my body and uh, the judgments and the opinions that I so constantly think people are having about me as I walk through the world. So we're a works in progress, but I think we can all hopefully get to a place where we show up, even though we might feel uncomfortable because our families, our loved ones, our friends, ourselves deserve it. And today on the podcast, I could not be more excited to have Sarah Landry on. She is the bird's papaya. Many of you probably already know her from Instagram. She has a podcast. Um, she is just a force of, of all things body acceptance. And she is doing so much to try and make us all feel a little bit more comfortable in our own skin. Um. I love this woman. I love what she's doing. I am so impressed by her, how she just keeps going despite, I know, all the negative comments and feedback that she gets on an almost daily basis in her feed. And I know how hard it is to keep going when people are constantly trying to knock you down just for trying to be comfortable in your own skin. Um, I have posted before about my own issues with trying to not adhere to diet culture anymore and the amount of 
you need to stop spreading uh, messages that are unhealthy for people and that, you know, lead to health problems and this and that. And, you know, there's just, there's so much talk um, that makes it really difficult to put out into the world these feelings of um, just wanting to feel at peace and comfort in our home, in our body. Um, So Sarah is a mom of four kids aged 1 to 16. She's divorced and remarried in her now blended family. After getting exhausted by social media and body perfecting habits along the way, she decided to change the way she shows up in the world. Healing through her perfectionism, disordered eating, body shame, and so much more. She now loves having the powerful social media conversations around life and our experiences in it. She is a body confidence advocate, speaker, writer, occasional model, and weekly podcast host, and an ongoing student of life. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, It was so nice to be able to just sit down as two people who are really trying so hard to love ourselves exactly as we are in this moment. And I am hoping that uh, everyone will take that journey with us because we need as much um, community and support and togetherness and motivation and inspiration all together for each other, for ourselves, for our daughters and our sons and the next generation. We need to show up again and again and again and again, even when we feel uncomfortable because we deserve to show up. We deserve to be there in any moment and not hide and not filter and not Photoshop and just be. So enjoy this episode. Also, Uh, Go back and listen to my episode if you haven't yet. Uh, 217, Is She Letting Herself Go? That was a wildly popular episode that I put out last year and just re-released it. Um, It has been on the charts numerous times um, and has gotten amazing feedback. And also, if you go into our website, marriageandmartinis.com, I had put together a little journal. Um, It costs around $8. And um, it was a lot of the questions that I asked myself when I was planning the Is She Letting Herself Go episode. Um, And I spent a lot of time researching and uh, thinking about it. And it is just a little guide, a little toolkit, uh, a little journal for you to go and maybe sit down with a cup of coffee or tea or whatever it is, wine, champagne, and to just think about your place in the world at this moment and how you can move through it a little more comfortably and a little easier. So you can go check that out and purchase it if you need a little boost, a little inspiration and enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Hi. It's so nice to be face to face again. I know it's been a minute, right? It has. And I feel like you might be the busiest woman in the world. Do you feel like you're the busiest woman in the world? Like, yes and no. Sometimes like yesterday, my body just went into like, I am not a napper. I'm like hard anti-nap, not because I don't believe in rest, but because I'm the angriest napper. Like I wake up and I'm just angry. So yesterday I could not wake up and I kept falling asleep over and over. And I was finally like, you know what? I give in. My body is being so loud with me right now that it needs rest. And I I was like, I can't, I can't figure out why (laughs) 
so tired and everyone's like, because you never stop. But like, I don't know, like I love work. I love what I do. I love my kids. They need so much of me right now. I thought as they'd get older, they'd need less and they just need more of different things. Mostly they need me to drive them everywhere, all over town, all the time. So I am busy and I love it and I'm thriving in it and I'm also tired. So it's like it's so many things can be true at once. And that's me. It's such a gift to be able to do what you love. And yeah. it's so, so rare. And I feel like for you to get where you are now, when when I watch your videos and everything, and I think a lot of women who watch them will agree, uh, men too, that, you know, we, we sort of all aspire to be to this place of total, I don't know, inner peace and comfort, right? Mm. Where we can just sort of be with ourselves and yeah. and feel a sense of joy and admiration for ourselves, which then in turn allows us to do that outwardly to the people around us. And when I watch your videos, that's so the feeling I get Mm -hmm. from you. I mean, for real, like in in a very authentic way, you know, that you're Mm -hmm. just very unapologetically yourself. And I know that that's been a long journey. Like I know that is not just something where we can all be like, you know, how does she do? No, I know it takes so (laughs) much work do you feel like that do you feel like you're in a place where you're just sort of like unapologetically yourself or I mean or is it a a constant work in progress I think it's I think it's constant work and I think that I'm also in the best place I've been in a long time and I mean I really am one of those rare people that has the experience of getting the quote-unquote goal body And then really reflecting and being like, wow, this is the least happy I've actually been. I'm more anxious about being in this body than I was ever before. So really having to face that reality was very new for me. It it just gave, gave me a lot of awareness so that I can speak from that place. I can speak from the place of, I know that getting thin doesn't mean I'm happy. I know that erasing certain parts of who I am doesn't make me more confident. So uh, I will say like I was in a really good place with all of it and really focusing on like healing my relationship with um, like away from diet culture, like just healing my relationship with food and fitness And then I got pregnant and getting pregnant really put me right back into the arena of it all. I went through prenatal depression. I was put on pelvic rest. I wasn't allowed to exercise. I almost every type of food made me sick. And I came really face to face with a lot of the stuff that I was still holding on to. And then the last two years postpartum, I've actually gained weight where most women will lose weight postpartum. I gained it. And so I just have gotten into the practice of, okay, I don't know that we're ever going to get to the point of looking in the mirror and being like, yes, we love it. I think I'm now in the place of, okay, it's okay that I don't. And how am I going to show up today? And some days it's like, I'm really feeling it. I'm vibing on it. I wear, I wear things that really reflect that. And other times I'm like, my body feels so loud in my brain. I'm going to wear what I need to, to just show up today. Because I think we get really hyper-focused on how to be confident and not recognizing that a lot of it is just removing the distractions or removing the thoughts that are are really limiting us in the way that we live. So I am right now in a really good place because I have a really great relationship with food. I've got a great relationship with exercise. I've gained weight and I've never shown up in my life more. So I, I keep pushing myself into doing things that are 
bold and courageous, even though that's like not necessarily like just showing up in your body just shouldn't be like a an act of bravery. But because I'm feeling so um, I don't know, just in this like weird space of like not necessarily loving what I look like, but showing up the m- more than I ever have in my life. That's what feels really good and successful to me is just understanding that the realm of confidence is not about what we look like, but more about our attitude towards it and towards a body that is essentially changing through every fiber of our being constantly. Yeah. There's such a sexiness and confidence, you know, mm-hmm. in, in this sort of like, I think how you carry yourself and how you, like you said, show up in the world and everything and how um, when, you know, if someone's in need or you have a friend in need or whatever, and you show up as your full self and, you know, you don't have anything like holding you back from being a hundred percent there and everything. I think that there's like such a beauty and, um, a grace and a sexiness in that, but oh, yeah. it's really hard to do. But I think so many people, we think of like people are looking at our actual body parts, mm-hmm. but in so many ways, it's the essence of us, right? It's the aura that's the sexy part, um, oh, you know, and how sure. we feel about ourselves and how we walk in the world and everything. But that is really hard. Like I say, sometimes I look in the mirror and I, I do like what I see, you know, because mm-hmm. I do like, um, my softness and my stomach and everything like that. It's when I leave the mirror and go outside into the world, you know, or my husband, you know, is in the room then, mm-hmm. or, you know, those are the times when I'm, I'm, not as confident and yeah you know like i feel like if i could feel out in the world how i feel when i'm sitting in front of the mirror by myself it would be so much easier and you know so many other people aren't in the place of body acceptance and don't know about the movement or haven't mm-hmm. been impacted by it and so you know they're still back in the oh i have to you know i'm on this diet or whatever and so there's this there's this lack of of um, connection, lack of understanding, you know, mm-hmm. that, that can occur. And a lack of intimacy. Like, let's be real. If we think about the top five things that we like about somebody, I don't, or like what makes them sexy. Like, I don't know that we would even put their bodies on the list, but yet that's what we put on top for us. We're like, if I am, if I look this way, if I have these abs, if you know X, Y, Z, that's what makes me sexy. And then if you actually talk to your partner about like what's hot and what's sexy, and this has been a real challenge for me because I actually gave up alcohol a, almost a year ago and drunk sex used to be the best sex because I was like, <laughs> I don't care, rip it off, yeah, like get yeah. it, ride it, like do all the things. Yeah. And then now I'm like, oh my God, sober sex is like a different realm and having to channel drunk Sarah into sober Sarah sex is really put me face to face with like, wait, my husband would say like the best sex is when I'm not thinking so much about what my body looks like and just like really letting loose and remembering that and being like, okay, wait, the things that he, like that we enjoy the best intimacy, I'm robbing us of because I'm deciding for him what's sexy about me or not. And I remember we had this like whole conversation after I gave birth and he was like, I'm very aware what you look like. And I still want you to get on top. Like, I'm very aware that you have a stomach. I'm so aware that like, 
you know, things have changed over the course of our relationship. And like, I like the sex, like I like what we're, what we have going. And that really put me into a, oh my God, like I put so many limitations when we first started, um, when we first were intimate, like my, I would wear a t-shirt and I would walk backwards out of the room. I was at my thinnest. I was at my like quote unquote fittest. Like I was, I had like, what was my goal body? And I was so insecure. And as time went on, like I gave kind of rules to what he was allowed to touch and not, and just like made some major limitations. And when I finally removed those limitations, partially because of an accidental thing that happened where he, he touched my stomach and I sort of like was weeping and like held his hand there and really recognized that we both, I just wanted to be hugged. He just wanted to hug me. And I was putting this wall up of what I decided was not sexy. And I hadn't even decided that it was just years and years of conditioning of what I should look like or what is sexy. And then really taking a step back from that. And when you look around, you know, social media now, or you meet the people that you know, in your world, that them being sexy is so much more in like a mindset and like a choice to be confident. It very rare. Like some of the most confident people I know are just people who are like, yeah, I know I'm hot and I'm showing up and I'm like, I'm not even looking at your body. And like, I, be- I believe you like, this is so true. And it's taken a lot for me to realize that confidence and like sex appeal is so much less about a look and so much more about a choice. And I say choice because I think in uh, the same with the, when we talk about self-love, I think it's more choice because rarely are we ever going to actually feel it. I don't, I don't often feel confident or feel love towards the way I look, but I show up in confidence and I choose to love my body and myself in action. And we do that in every other relationship in our world, every relationship that you've been with anybody, whether you're a parent, whether you're a child, whether you're a sibling, whether you're, you know, your romantic partner you're, you're not like looking at them with butterflies in your belly every minute of the day, you're showing up for them. You're figuring out the ways to show them love and to show them that you care. And then we look at ourselves and we're like, why don't I feel love? Like, why don't I love the way I look? But how are we showing up in action? How are we pushing ourselves to make sure that, you know, we've gotten enough rest, that we are nourished, that we are moving, that we are, you know, creating intimacy with our partner and that we're, you know, really showing up in love for ourselves. And that really just goes to show that a lot of this, and this is a, this is a hard pill to swallow, is less about what we like the, the, if I just look like this, then I'll go do that. And more of, I look like this and I'm going to go do that. And that's where a lot of people get caught up because, and myself included got caught up was that I still felt like I had to look a certain way to be worthy of vacations. Weddings is a big trap. Postpartum is another one. All of this, uh, these things that we, these conditions that we put on ourselves before we get to live life. And that's why some of the most confident people in the world are like 80 year old women, because they're like, you know what, it's all gone to shit. And I'm done trying to live up to this standard. And they're just like, they've got such a fuck it mentality that I adore. So sometimes when I can't get there, I'm like, what would 80 year old me be doing? And what would she want me to do right now? Because 80 year old me is going to look back on this part of my life and be like, what the fuck were you thinking? Go out. Probably do now about your 20s. 
Oh my gosh. Right? Yeah. Like we looked oh back at our gosh, 20s and we were like, 14? we fucking wasted it. I know. Constantly like being out in a in a club or at a bar and like fixing ourselves constantly when we yep. already looked great. We already looked great. And that just goes to show that it's really never been about our bodies, right? If you can look back on a former photo of yourself and be like, remember how insecure I was? And I thought I looked awful. And now I would kill to look like that just goes to prove that it was not about our bodies. And so even though I have the perspective of, you know, like losing the hundred pounds and really looking at myself in a thinner body. And sometimes I still look back at her and I have to put back in the memories of what it really was. I had a whole series. I had a post once where I shared my true feelings in each photo where I had that goal body. And a lot of times it was like, I'm hiding behind my kids still, or I was freaking out about the way that my arms look that day, or I'm holding my hand on my hip. So it still appears that I'm a little bit smaller or this one was totally photoshopped because I was so insecure and felt like it was never enough. And now I'm like, you just kind of eventually I think as women and part of the reason that the 80 year old women are so confident is because you kind of get exhausted. You can't keep up. The po- The goalpost is constantly moving. Every decade has a different type of goal body. Every single day we are faced with more and more advertising, even in the face of all the body confidence movements and body positivity and self-love that have been echoed into the chambers. We're still faced with the reality that people in society treat people better that look a certain way. So we put that condition on ourselves, even if the people in our world that really love us don't give a shit. They really don't. Nobody's going to keep you around for a great body. They're going to keep you around because of you. And the more I think we understand that, the more we can plug into what makes me a better person, what makes me enjoyable to be around, not how am I going to look on that vacation or that trip that's going to really make everybody else's experiences better, including my own? It's just a false narrative that we continue to subscribe to. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, and a lot of it is hard because that's the that's the world that's been created too, right? Even going mm-hmm. shopping. I mean, you know, to go into a store that they say even sometimes that they're size inclusive and and you know, you're in the the biggest size they have mm-hmm. and it still doesn't fit and you're sort of like, okay, I, there are people who are bigger than me. And, yeah. You know, and they wouldn't even be able to walk in the door and mm-hmm. you know, like to to they just there's no place for them here because it's not really inclusive yeah and and, you know or you go online and like a lot of times you know you buy you try to buy like the 33 pants or the 34 pants and they're all sold out well that's two things either they're all sold out because that's the normal size body and they have you know or they're all sold out because they really only made a few of those sizes because they really that's not their target audience or you know that's not who they want to include but either way something is wrong because Mm -hmm. there's a necessity for these items and for this this stuff, these sizes, and it's not there. 
And this is why the size inclusivity topic is everybody's, is everybody's topic. So I grew up in a larger body and back when there was really no size inclusivity. So my experience shopping with my friends was basically buying accessories, buying scarves, buying earrings when they all got to shop for clothes. So you wonder why we're all so terrified of gaining weight because we know what people in larger bodies are are treated like. We know how much harder it is for them to get diagnosed with things when they go to the doctor for a sore throat and are told to go home and lose weight. I'm still with considered straight size, but like you, I'm on the top end of what is straight size. So I wear like a size 12, sometimes a 14, sometimes a a 10, like depending on where I am. And so my shopping experience is sort of like that too. You go out and you're like, if I gain more weight, I can no longer shop here. Instead of, wow, this brand is not serving many bodies. It's making me feel like if I, if I gain any more weight, I'm no longer allowed to shop here. That's everybody's problem. That's everybody's conversation. And listen, brands aren't perfect. It's going to be hard to find one that is. But the more that we notice it, the more that we can start to really say like, okay, I still, this isn't, this shouldn't be something for everyone who is above a size 14 battle to fight. Like what happens if we say, Hey, do you carry larger sizes? I would love to come and shop here with my friends, or I'd love to come and shop here if I ever gain weight. And I've noticed that you don't have anything above this size. That's something that we can continue to ask for, to champion for, and to try and I don't know, like recognize that that's a big reason that a lot of us fear gaining weight where a lot of our fat phobia is really rooted. Our, our relationship with our body issues, our intimacy issues, our confidence issues. A lot of it's rooted in the way that society is structured and the way that we're made to feel. I do think there's a lot of change that has happened in the last several years, but I think we have a long way to go. And listen, I have people who will be like, you show your stomach too much. You do this too much. And I'm like, I have my whole life been saturated by images of people with perfect bodies, quote unquote, perfect bodies, um, with abs showing and nobody ever complains, like we're seeing your stomach too much, but of course they will, because I am, because it's different. And I saturate on purpose. I've said this many times, like it's important for us to see and for kids to grow up in a society that sees different bodies, different shapes, different sizes, different abilities. And for them to grow up with less fear of being excluded from experiences in life based on what they grow up to look like. And I mean, all of us have a starter experience of the first time we started noticing our bodies or somebody else made a comment on them and how much that ripples into every single experience for the rest of time. We have such a, I feel such a responsibility to normalize the things that I had no idea existed because when I didn't know, that's what made me stay home. That's what made me not participate in things with my kids because I didn't want to embarrass them. I didn't want to embarrass myself. I just thought I was so different because I had stretch marks all over my stomach that I had never, five, six years ago, had no idea anybody else had. And that's the power of social media. That's the power of like showing up and starting to sort of change some of these conversations, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And, and, you know, and it is, it's a form of social justice and it's a form of, you know, they say like social justice has many different lanes and everything. 
saying what you said to a store, to a brand, you know, I would like to shop here or, you know, and come with my friends or that is a form of social justice because mm -hmm. you are then, you know, using your voice and, and saying something in conf, you know, in, in a confident way that someone else might not be able to say, but wants to. And so, you know, I think that it's not just for us, it's for, you know, all the people who feel the same way and who can't go in the stores. My daughter right now is a senior in high school and she is, a, you know, she's bigger bodied and um, she's having a really hard time prom dress shopping. Yeah, and it's really upsetting, you know, because it, it, she's this is supposed to be a wonderful thing for her and she's really dreading it. Yeah. Um, you know, and when her friends are going out and shopping, she sort of watches and we talk about it and, you know, we look for places that are more um, size inclusive that we can go and everything. But to take something that's supposed to be so special and that's also already a little bit, you know, nerve wracking and everything yeah. and, and make it harder for these kids is just, it's, it's so upsetting. It is. And I was exactly there. I mean, when I went to prom, there wasn't dresses for my size. And so I ended up wearing like a little black dress that was just something I found at a women's store. And I even taped my belly button that night because I didn't want my belly button to show through my clothing because I have like a deeper belly button. I was so self-conscious of so many things. And now I'm watching my daughters and my middle daughter is actually quite tall. So we went shopping recently and I was shocked that like the, the clothing store that all of the girls were shopping at for these prom and banquet dresses and all this stuff literally went up to a size large in junior sizing. So my daughter couldn't even get it in length. Like it was so, it was so small and so limited that I was like, even if this fits you, I don't like, how are we even going to get one long enough? She doesn't want to wear a gown to this thing, but it is like a lot of, oh my God, are we just, is our only option online? And like, what a robbed experience is that? And we're a couple years away from prom, but I mean, that's in the back of my head now that I'm like, wow, we, this is a struggle that they literally don't carry. Uh, I, I mean, junior sizing is already a pain in the butt. Yeah. But the fact that like, it's just like, oh my God, are we still in this? Like I went through this over 20 years ago and now we're going through it still. Like it's a problem. It's a problem that you know, especially for teens, because teens go through all different sizes too. They're also going through puberty and body changes so much more. Like they should have a supported journey through that. I think that when I ended up getting like a different dress for um, something, we like actually drove over the border to the States to find something so I could I don't even, I don't even remember for sure, but I just remember there was almost nothing available here. And so I don't, it makes me upset that we're still, we're still stuck even with all these changes. And, and I think that everyone sort of makes it like, well, it's not really our problem, but it is because oh, yeah. it, the ripple effects of it are really, are really great. And they can really impact somebody's overall life when how are you supposed to feel confident when you don't even have anything to wear? Like that's a huge, huge part of all of this, right? You don't get the same experiences. And even if I currently can, I can currently shop pretty much anywhere. It's, I was in LA not long ago and the storefront would only carry up to a size six. If you wanted above a size six, you had to ask to get it out of the back. And I was like, 
this is such a humiliating experience. And I'm somebody who works in body confidence, but I was like, the fact that you don't even want above a size six on the floor, I have to ask somebody to get it from the back room. Like so demoralizing, so gross. And yet so normal there that it wasn't even like a bat of an eye. They're like, well, we just don't carry anything above size six on the floor. (laughs) They said it like it wasn't a problem. And I'm like, how is this not? They're so immersed in that world. Yes, exactly. Or they'll be like, you know what? We don't carry those. I had a friend recently shopping for jeans. She went to a store that was size inclusive and asked, Hey, like, I'm not seeing anything above like a 14 here. And they're like, Oh, we only carry those sizes online. Again, such a demoralizing experience. What if you need places for that day, right? Right. You're stuck. You're stuck. So It's going to take a lot of time. And I know a lot of brands have brought clothing sizes in and then they've removed them out because they're like, they're not selling. Well, how is anybody supposed to know that they, that they even can shop in stores anymore if you don't give it a chance? So we're on this turning tide and it is a bigger conversation. I feel like a lot of people really only start to pay attention when, even if they've never been impacted until somebody they know is, or somebody that like their children are right. So it is an ongoing conversation for sure. And one that I hope in 20 years is not one anymore. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, as a mom, I mean, one of the big things that I think, you know, we, we all struggle with, again, is making sure that those those um, ideas that were, you know, that sort of generational trauma about our bodies and um, and I grew up in the eighties and nineties mm-hmm. and, you know, it was the time of the Jane Fonda workout and yeah. it was the time of, and I love Jane Fonda, nothing against her, but you know, it was a time of, um, you know, everything was like the microwave, the small microwave meals. And like, it was a lot of, I mean, it was everywhere. It was ubiquitous. This whole, you need to be in a small body type of thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, a, a little bit, not that I, I did it with weight with my daughter, but you know, I've told this story before and it kind of puts me in a bad light as a mom, but I really since then have learned so much from it. Even the sense of, so my, on my husband's side, on Adam's side of the family, they're like, they're a hairy family. They have a lot mm-hmm. of hair. And my daughter, um, she inherited that. Mm-hmm. And when she was, I think maybe 10 or 11, she, she had like a unibrow. Mm-hmm. And I was so petrified of other kids bullying her and mm-hmm. saying anything to her. And it, I, it, I didn't, she wasn't saying it had happened yet, but I was anticipating it. And so from a protective place, I took her to get an eyebrow wax. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and looking back on that, I obviously now I feel like, okay, wait a minute, that was pretty fucked up. I shouldn't yeah. have done that, you know, but it was from a protective place. Yeah. I made her very aware at a very young age of, oh my God, I'm too hairy. I have too much hair. And, you know, and I've since backtracked and had conversations with her about it and how I was wrong and everything. But again, we, we come at it, I think, from a place of, I don't want my kid to be bullied and I don't want my kid to feel ostracized. And and yet, and we're taking our trauma from growing Mm -hmm. up and putting Mm -hmm. it 
on them. And, you know, I think that that it still is this battle that we need to fight um, on so many levels. And even like sometimes, you know, my mom will make a comment or whatever. I'll be like, no, you don't go there. Yeah. Because it's just so in them. So I'm just wondering if that's something that you ever struggle with because, you know, you're this is sort of your lifestyle and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good example. And I'm so glad that you're able to like reflect on that because I think we all have like those types of stories where we projected something. Listen, mothers are humans. And I think that so many people start their conversations with how they feel about their body with, well, my mother slim fast. Well, my mother was an almond mom. My mother, this, that, the other my mom, you know, put this on me, my mom put all this pressure and, and and a lot of our stories start like that. And the thing that I always ask myself is, I wonder what their mother said. And this is, this is where the patriarchy gets to take its little grubby hands off because women perpetuate it. We're the ones who recycle what we've learned and we take the fear of knowing what happens to women in different sizes And we put that on our kids in a protective mode. We really do that. Now, I kind of went through a lot of stuff. Um, Interestingly for me, it was more my big like aha moment was at the time of my rise on social media was because of my weight loss. And I remember my middle daughter, who's quite sassy. She was like, mom, people only love you because you lost weight. And I just was like gutted. I just couldn't believe that. I thought that I was hiding the diet culture and stuff from them because something in me must have known that it wasn't okay to be talking about my body like I was online to them. So I was really thinking that I was protecting them from that. And then that's what she said to me. And that really made me go, okay, I've got to do something to change this because I don't want my kids to look at my life and my legacy that I'll leave as she lost weight and everyone on the internet loved her for it. That's a horrible thing for me to pass along to my kids. And I remember when my, I mean, we all, I talked about this recently online, but we all have like, uh, like I mentioned earlier, that moment where somebody made a comment about our bodies and it really changed the way that we saw it ourselves from that moment on. And I remember mine was in the seventh grade, but my daughter had one when she was in the fourth grade. One of my daughters did. And she came home bawling her eyes out. And I wept alongside her because I knew the trauma that this was putting onto her and that this would be the rest of her life that she would think about this moment that this person made her see her body in a new light. And it's just, it's such a, it is cycle breaking. It is a lot of concerted effort to not talk about your weight, to not look in the mirror and say something critical, to not ask your partner in front of your children, does this make me look fat? As if fat is the worst possible thing you could be. And as we, if they're going to say yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. And so we, we do really have to recognize the role mothers play humanize the experience for sure know that we're gonna get it wrong at some times but ultimately we have to we have to really push ourselves through these certain boundaries sometimes I'm like I I really think that I'm reclaiming my life by show by showing up and like showing my cellulite and all that stuff but also I'm doing it so that my kids see that I'm doing that my kids witness me continue to show up in a changing body they witness me um 
changing the tides of what I previously had said. I get to be the hypocrite of what I once was and, and projected out into the world to say none of that actually made me happy. And I'm here to show up in my life now. And I hope you'll join me. I hope that you take everything because at the end of the day, it's not just our mothers. It's an entire society and we can't bear the weight of what society will tell our children, but we can show up as a safe space for them, no matter what they look like. And that has really meant for me changing what I compliment them on instead of being like, that's really flattering on you, or you look really pretty being like, oh my God, I'm so happy to see you. Um, You're like, I just think you're just like the most radiant person. It's the compliments we say to each other, removing the body and the looks from it is a challenge, especially if you have girls, because that's all we hear from like a very young age is like, you're so cute. You're so pretty or that looks so good on you. And look how cute you are. Mm -hmm. And girls need to know that they're more than pretty, that they're more than cute. And that really does start with how we compliment our kids and how we show them the reasons we love them like we love everybody else in our world. It's not about their bodies. We love them for so many other reasons and we're proud of them for so many other reasons. And I think that's for me, the biggest one that I've really tried to adopt. And another thing I'm going to say is um, changing the way that we do validation. So instead of, this is something my cousin actually said to me and I, I really liked it and I've tried to adopt it. Instead of saying, I'm so proud of you saying, you must be so proud of yourself because the sooner these kids start to regulate their own internal thoughts to be positive and to be, um, you know, really great and lovely and validating, the less they'll seek everybody else's. And I know that's hard because as a parent, you want them to know, I love you and I'm so proud of you. But when you say something like, you must be so proud of yourself, you're saying both. Like you really are. Like that really is saying, I'm, I'm so proud of you. You must be so proud of yourself. And so I'm really trying to work on the way that we validate the kids and stuff as well to help them validate themselves. And who knows, right? Like, we don't really get a grade card at the end of all of this to be like, you did a great job as thank a God. mom. We, yeah, <laughs> thank God, right? We don't get to find out. We just have to be there. We have to be yeah. sort of somebody in the in the passenger seat of their experience with the roadmaps of where we went, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's where they're going to go either. And so it's a, it's a tricky journey, but one that I, I'm glad that I even if my kids are like, ew, cringe, don't want to talk about this, they they know I do. They have access to share with me anything that they're thinking and feeling and knowing that I'm going to go there with them if they want to, instead of being like, no, you're fine. Like, no, you look amazing. No, this is like, no, that must be really hard to have hear, heard that from somebody. How did that make you feel? What is that? What mindset is that putting you in? Like, do you want to talk about it? And then starting to validate all the other parts of them instead of letting them get this distraction that all of us have been living with our whole lives really take hold and start to redirect who they are. Hi, this is Kristen. And this is Jen from My Mom So Hard. And we're here to talk about by heart. Do you remember when you were nursing and you were like, I want to give the best thing I can to my baby? 
Well, we've got that for you. It's called ByHeart, and it is a infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code MOMS20 for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Tell them my mom so hard sent you. It's a whole part of parenting that I like never even anticipated. Yeah. It's like, you know, you think about all the regular stuff, you know, the schoolwork and the, you know, like the temper tantrums and the fighting and stuff like that. But this is a whole other realm that I just, you know, I don't know why I didn't really think about it, but I hadn't really planned for it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it has taken a while to like figure it out. But, you know, now I have, uh, um, I have two teenagers in the house and a, and a preteen and my teenage boy, you know, sometimes will say, um, you know, like my, when Mia will talk about somebody or whatever, and my son will say, is she hot? Mm. And, you know, and I've, I've said to, you know, we've started to like, he doesn't really say it anymore because I, we started to like, I made him kind of unpack it. You yeah. Know, when he would say that, I would be like, what does that mean to you? Like, what does mm-hmm. that mean? Hot? Is that your, is like, is, is that your radar for, you know, how, wh- like whether you'll date a girl or not? Yeah. Or, the value or yeah, is it an is energy? That, Cause if right. you're hot and it's an energy, we're here for it. Right. <laughs> if it's right. a look, no. Exactly. And you know, he's, he just turned 15. So I don't even think he knows, but mm-hmm. by, by even calling them out on it and and, you know, and sort of making them sort of step back and be like, okay, wait a minute. Well, okay, what does that mean to me? And, you know, is that really what I want? And, you know, just because somebody's hot doesn't mean they're going to treat me well and all of those yeah. things. Um, and the way that it would make, you know, I don't just don't want him talking about people according to their appearances in general. Yeah. But, um, but you know, I think that those, even those, those small moments of, you know, like, making sure that they are understanding the um the power of their words and Mm. and of saying that you know and at the same time also i'm like would you want her to say that about you is he hot you know like here he is in a very awkward stage of his life to be you know and what he needs to realize is they're gonna do that same thing especially if he's known like that which i don't think he's really a very you know, sweet, understanding kid. He just, it, it's the culture. He's right? repeating Everywhere. what he's, he's repeating what he's heard out there. Exactly. Right. And it's a, exactly. and it's like one of those things where we can kind of be like, oh, that's just the way they are. But also like, don't we want, don't we want to be better? Like, and I think a lot of times too, when we have conversations about body confidence, we really leave the boys out of it. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that like my husband, especially has been so present for a lot of these conversations that I've been so open with him. So that he understands like what a woman really goes through in her experience in life so that when we do talk to the kids he's a participant in that too that like he understands why we have to have these conversations with both the boys and the girls right to really instill that uh, people are more than their bodies but we also like get to celebrate our bodies if we want to we get to celebrate what they can do for us we get to celebrate how we look if we choose to and that you know again like if they're like they're so hot because they're have such a like a great energy like unpacking what these things mean unpacking 
and understanding the the weight of them, right? Because all it takes is one person to overhear what, like, think about the, think about the Ross Geller of friends. And when he made the list of Rachel and what was good about her and not, and how that like, that really impacted her and it, it caused a huge rift. And it was something that he did thinking it was a positive thing to do, but instead caused a lot of harm, caused a lot of damage that she felt he valued the way she looked over who she was. That was a really, really, um, that's a really good example of it. But uh, I think a lot of things and, and a lot of times we really leave boys out of this conversation, but they're growing up in the same society. They're growing up with the same messages put at them. And that's the big difference too. We grew up with like the the tv and the movies and the advertising but they have social media so they also have like they're up against filters they're up against Ah. constant diet ads they're up against a lot of messages that are really like I was on snapchat the other day and I got like six or seven different diet culture-esque ads um in the span of 20 minutes and I was like dang this is a majority teenage kid app and this is so full of diet conversations. It's so profitable for kids to hate themselves. It's so profitable for them to grow up um, and think that they have to buy things or be things in order to feel confident. So it's, uh, it's not the, I don't think the answer is get them off social media. Don't let them go anywhere near it. I think it's navigating conversations as they move through it, as we have, we were kind of the guinea pig generation that, had to sort of go through it on our own. And now we're sort of unpacking a lot of that, but they're going through it and they've only ever known this. And so we do sort of have to not only mirror, like not only show up and do things for ourselves, but also have big conversations with them about being aware of what is being put online and how profitable it is for us to hate ourselves. so that they can sort of see at an earlier age, I would hope, that this this stuff is meant for you to not like yourself because they want you to buy something. That's right. Yeah, it's all about marketing and everything like that. And, you know, it's so interesting because you think about it and the biggest um, social media platform, Facebook, was founded on, that was literally what it was, Facebook judging women on their appearances. That's how it all, it's rooted in that. Yeah, like hot or not of the 90s, like the 2000s, we all like on those websites, that was such a part of our culture. Right, right. And so, you know, it it is so rooted in it that like, we have to give ourselves so much grace and we have to give Mm -hmm. our kids so much grace while at the same time, like you said, kind of putting one foot in step in front of the other and being like, I I still need to help fight this battle. And I, for Mm -hmm. myself, for my kids, for, you know, in whatever way that means, you know, if Mm -hmm. it's only shopping in stores that are size inclusive or only, you know, like however we decide to do it. But I think what you said about your husband, is so important because um, I think that's a big part of the battle too, is that, um, you know, another thing I think about when they talk about girls being hot or boys being hot or whatever is, you know, when it comes to a partner, a lifetime partner, there's so much change that's going to occur. Mm -hmm. You know, you marry one person and you, you know, 20, 10, 20, 30 years later, you know, the the core of the person maybe is the same or maybe not, but there is so much that happens over that journey. Yes. You know, and when I think about that journey, you know, like you said with Sean, with holding your um, stomach and everything, mm-hmm. like when I think about that journey, you know, my body is the way it is because 
of our journey because, mm -hmm. you know, first of all, we've been through a lot, financial stuff, you know, <clears throat> death of a parent, um, all these things that I think have affected me physically, plus all the pregnancies and everything like that. And, you know, we have been on this journey together and this is sort of the evidence of those mm -hmm. journeys and they were mm -hmm. beautiful journeys and we're still here. Yes, so, exactly. You know, yeah. So when Sean, you know, when he does that, when he was holding your stomach and everything, and when he says that to you, I'm very aware of your body and everything. I I think that that's so incredible because I don't think a lot of women hear that from their partners. Mm -hmm. and, and I want to make sure, like, I think that that is something that partners in general need to work on. When Adam and I did an episode together about body image, I think we did two episodes about it and everything. And I said, you know, how do you feel when mm -hmm. I'm naked and, you know, with my stomach and everything like that? And he said, I am so busy worrying about my own insecurities and my <laughs> own body. Yeah. And I was like, what? I mean, yes. I was blown away. I yeah. was I had never heard him say that before. I never would have thought it. Everybody says about, you know, his whole thing is he still looks 18 and everything like that. And I'm, you know, and it's like an ongoing joke. And I was literally like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. and, and it made me reevaluate everything. Mm -hmm. Because I don't compliment him a lot or anything because I have always thought that that just further, re, you know, enhances my negative aspects and his positive aspects because I'm like he already knows he's good looking and he's you know kept the same body that he always had and everything mm -hmm. why do I need to tell him mm -hmm. and in the meantime it was I mean when I tell you that conversation changed things for us yeah yeah and it's not I can totally see it a lot of couples have well and I think we we get to a point where we really think oh my gosh, I've changed so much. They must like me less. They, we kind of do decide for them. And I've, I've gone through a 50 pound weight gain through our relationship. So I actually wrote a post that was pinned on my account, but I said, I'm 50 pounds heavier than when we met. And I think about that sometimes when the doubt creeps in, when I feel unlovable for simply changing. But then I remember the journey we've been on. I remember that this change is actually a beautiful one. It's first dates, second dates, thousands of them more. It's the travel, the taste of it, the laughing to we're sore. It's cocktails on a Friday, curling up on a Sunday. It's been sickness, overworking, joy, and healing. It's having a baby together woven inside my body. It's 50 pounds of what's made our family. So when I think about it and the doubt creeps in, I ask myself, what would you rather have this life or be thin? And I smile at him and I look at, at our life. It's not even a question. I would do it all over again. I think the thing that we're not wow, recognizing- Thank you. I think the thing that we don't recognize is like the changes of our body is the evidence of the relationship. The changes that we go through is evidence of the life we're living. And that is something like my, my husband, I've always been really frustrated with him that he almost never compliments me in the terms of like my body. If I've lost weight, if I gained weight, I just, nothing comes from him. And it's been years of going through how does that feel to not be validated in my body being good enough? Right. But he is, he's different. He does the thing that I say that I should do with my kids to me yesterday. He literally looked at me and he was like, 
I love looking at you. And I was like, Aww. what? And he goes, you're just so fun to look at. I just love <laughs> looking at you. And I was like, literally curled up on the sofa. Like, what? Like, how come you don't say these things when I'm like dressed up and dolled up? And he's like, no, because I just love looking at you. It has nothing to do with like all of that. Like, he's like, I've just found you beautiful at every stage. And so I'll tell you that I think you're beautiful. And I will tell you that I love you, but I'm never going to be like, you look so good. You look like you've lost weight or, you know, that dress makes you look so thin. He's been so cognizant to never do that so that he never takes it away from me either. Right. Like if I, if he's not telling me how good my body looks, then I never have to seek out him approving of my body in order for us to experience everything else. So he says things like, you're so fun to look at. And I love looking at you. And I'm just like, God, that's sweet because it doesn't, it has nothing to do with what size I am or anything. He just has really allowed me to feel like crap about myself, to feel really good about myself. And he just remains this constant. So I do think like when it comes to these men though, like they also do struggle with body image. And so I often try and like not validate him in the way that he's looking, but just also like, he's also gone through aging, weight changes, things like that as well but maybe hasn't gone through the same amount of pressures we have. So we feel. And so I often will just be like, God, I love you. You're so hot. And I'll just be, but it's never about a certain thing. It's never like, Oh my God, you've lost so much weight. Like I can see it on you. You look so good for this. I'll just be like, God, you look so hot. Or like when he gets a haircut, he knows it every single time he gets a haircut. I'm like, God, you look hot today. And so there's like little ways that you can sort of love and validate without it being like this you all of a sudden become silent when your partner changes over time. Like I don't ever want to get to a place of that. And I also didn't marry him for how he looks like, sure. I'm attracted like hell I'm attracted, but I'm not like, that's all going to slip away as we go, as we get older, like he's not going to look the same as he did when I met him. I'm not going to look the same either. What attracts us to each other overall is the like that he is an attractive person. He's funny. He's charming. He's witty. He's loving. Like these are the things that I stick around for. Like, sorry, you could be the hottest guy on earth, but if you have the personality of a wet piece of cardboard, probably not going to work out in a relationship, probably not going to stick around when we're 80. Right. So that's why I think that it's the more that we pour into who we are healing that finding things to be more interested in than what our bodies are, the more interesting we are, the more confident we become when we're not constantly just, I think the women could have probably solved everything in the world by now, if it wasn't for us constantly thinking about 100%. what we look like. <laughs> Absolutely. There is a yeah. reason why we are put into these small little boxes and that they don't want us to take up more space for sure. The world would be a completely different place. Completely. Uh, yes. So I'm just interested in like, is is there something that, you know, because I feel like obviously it's, it's a lifelong battle to be trying, you know, with self-acceptance and everything. But I feel like, you know, you've at least tackled the... Um, you know, the, the parts of it of like knowing what we need to do and everything. Is there anything in your life that you're sort of like, okay, holy shit. All right. Now I need to like work on this also. Like, is there anything that you're sort of like, all right. I mean, I can think of a thousand things for myself, but you know, like something that you're like, all right, that's going to be my next quote unquote, not project, but like something I want to work on. Yeah, I am working on it right now is not catastrophizing my life. I wake up in the morning and I think about everything that could go wrong, almost like I'm preparing for it. 
And I'm working uh, in a course right now called Reclaim with Monique Melton. And one thing that she said to me this last week was, I want you to start thinking about everything that could go right instead of everything that could go wrong. And when I tell you that that's like a big deal for me, I, I just come from wanting, like really struggling with needing other people's validation. And then I have a job in social media where I'm constantly validated or judged. So I have like these layers of, oh my God, like, how do I, how do I figure out trying to think positively and actually start believing that things might actually go well, instead of constantly preparing for everything to go wrong. And so it's new for me, but that's my current big project is, is starting to try and think and plan accordingly as if things will go well instead of the other way around. Do you feel like if you put it out in the world that it's going to go well, that you've jinxed it? Is that what it is? I mean, I don't know. Cause I'm not like a big, I'm not like big into manifesting or anything like that, but I do, I do think that I just struggle with if people are upset with me or if things go wrong, that I'm sort of like a human failure. I'm a big people pleaser. So it's easy for me to take everything to heart and to adjust who I am based on other people's opinions. And I'm really trying not to do that because I'm really working at coming home to who I am like inherently and really celebrating that as opposed to just picking it apart for all the things that I feel a failure at. I mean, I say the word like a lot. And I recently saw this whole video about how saying the word like isn't actually a sign of intelligence. It's a sign of intelligence. It's a sign of like an like a pause between thoughts. And I've never had anybody say to me, that's an intelligent thing to do to say like when you're saying a big long sentence, because my whole life I've been like, God, you sound like a valley girl or, oh God, like, can you say like a little less? It's driving me nuts. And now I'm like, okay, wait, saying like is actually a sign of intelligence. It's not dumb or stupid. Like I have, we have to stop like a lot of these internalized thoughts that we have based on other people's opinions. And a lot of that is trusting my own conviction with things and also being willing to reevaluate and change my mind. So that has been a big part of the journey is being willing to disappoint people, being willing to disappoint myself along the way and not thinking that it's all making me a big, terrible person all the time. The fact that I care, I think, means that I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time. All the time. Yeah, yeah. It's a really bad like place to live. Like it's a really, you know, it's a really hard um, like realm to to exist in because then you really can't ever just sit in the joy like you feel like yeah. the second you sit in the joy something's going to go wrong and you weren't prepared yeah and I'm somebody who did this job for 10 years without pay I I have gone through like old marriages into a new one I I very much came from a place of a lot of discomforts or just like no money struggling in my marriage that it is hard that other shoes going to drop feeling is something that a lot of people I think who have come from a different circumstance or a different situation and come into something new feel like at what point is everyone going to hate me at what point is my marriage going to fail because I don't deserve a good marriage like I don't deserve this everything the second everything feels good I do feel like wait what is about to happen that's going to take this away because I don't deserve this much good. And that's been a struggle, especially like as I've seen success in the online space and in um, my own personal life to really accept that it doesn't mean something bad is coming. 
that's it's it's a daily thing it's a lifelong thing I hear you I that is so trust me I completely relate to that and um and I ask because you know I think that you um I just I love the way that you um you give yourself time and space to um you know to heal and everything and I think we can all learn so much about that. And I think that sometimes, you know, with people saying you show your stomach too much or whatever, oh, you, you've done that already or whatever. Like, I think a lot of times we expect that we're going to solve something and move past it. Right. Yes. Like we should be on to the next. Mm-hmm. But this is a, an issue that is going, unfortunately, for, for so many of us, be a lifelong battle, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we have to fight it for ourselves and for, you know, the other people and the next generation. And I see you doing that on a daily basis and I'm really grateful for it. Um, I Thank think you. really awesome. And um, I, you know, I just think that it's, you're doing really amazing work and I appreciate it. Thank you. I mean, it was eight years postpartum with my son that I ever began to accept my body postpartum. So sometimes when I'm posting, I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about the women who haven't, you know, people who are childbearing, who haven't gone through it yet, or the ones who have. And I recognize like, it shouldn't take eight years. It shouldn't have taken eight years for me. I don't want it to take eight years for somebody else. I hope that when they get a stretch mark, that they look at it and just acknowledge that it exists, maybe grieve through that change for a second, understand that it's uncomfortable sometimes to go through this change. And then to settle on the other side of this doesn't erase anything of who I am. This doesn't make me less hot. This doesn't make me and less powerful. It doesn't make me less of a force. If anything, it makes me more of one stretch marks for me are, are the thing that maybe I'm known for, but I also love the, the meaning behind them because to stretch means to, um, like not break. And I think that the more that we recognize that this is a superpower that we have within our own skin, that our, that our skin has the ability to change with us and to not break us is truly such a powerful thing And when we really take the time to grieve and to process and then come on the other side and and to accept is one of the things that I wish I had earlier on, because I I wish I could take back those eight years of being quiet, being still, being small. And uh, now now I just want to live that out for everyone else who is going through it for the first time, second time, third time, fifth time. Who cares? Right. Well, you are in your journey where you are because of those years. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's true. We had to go through it in order to be in the place yeah. that we are. And it's um, so true. Yeah. Thank you so much for, I mean, I know I, you, I, I really do think you might be the busiest person in, <laughs> in the world. So I'm especially grateful that you took time out of your day um, to talk and, you know, I hope you'll come back again and do it. Yeah. Do a double you. date. Um, I would love that. that yeah, would be so we fun. should totally do that. We should yeah, totally definitely. do that. And um, is there anything like you want to tell people about that you have going on or to check out or? There's always stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, um, everyone wants to know. Everybody needs I to know. I know. We have some fun things coming up. We have some secret projects that are in the works on the back end. And uh, yeah, if you check out um, Instagram at the birds papaya or the podcast at the papaya podcast, 
I'm usually in my stories the most, I'll be honest. And then my posts are sort of where the brunt of a lot of my writing and work goes to. But I'm, yeah, I'm excited for anybody who wants to come and sort of join the ride and appreciate everybody who sort of has cheered me on along the way. So thank you so much for giving me the space to come on here and share as well. Oh, I loved it. It was great. Thank you so much. Thank you.